guys. Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. A fun episode for you guys today. We got some project updates. Both Lots of Jake projects. Jake and I have been doing a ton of work to uh, to our vehicles. Um, we've also got Mike Shikarowski, who is uh He's got great a really story. cool story. Incredibly inspiring story. He's going to come on and talk to us about going from being legally blind to driving a Corvette, which is, I mean... It's awesome. It's incredible. It's an incredible story. And of course, we have a bunch of other news as well. Um, before we get into that, I want to just reach out and thank our patrons. Yeah. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash overcrest if you want to support the show. For as little as $5 a month. Five bucks. Five bucks. Otherwise, uh, you can do $10, $25, depending on what you want to do, how much you want to support the show. You get different things, t-shirts, prints exclusive content, um, whatever. I just want to reach out and thank uh, at our $5 tier, Brad Lundquist, Meticulous Maynard, Alex Tang, Pierre Luc, Kevin Fisher, and Carl Justice are our July $5 add-ons. Uh, for $10, uh, we've got Tanner and Kyle, and $25, Brian Math. So, you guys, thank you so much for uh, supporting the show. We could not do it without you. Absolutely. Um, it's, it, it, it's great, and it, I still, every time I think about this, I get these warm feelings inside. So many thanks to those guys. They, they're the ones that uh, sponsored the news uh, episode for, what do we do these on? Fridays. Fridays. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. Fridays. Yeah, All right. More than financial support, it really is just kind of the moral support that people care. Yeah, it is, it is good. It's like we, we live in this vacuum where we just sit here and talk to each other. And then this <laughs> these little bits and bites go floating out into the interweb and we never hear about them again. Every once in a while, we'll get like a great comment on Instagram and stuff like right. that. But seeing people sign up for the Patreon uh, knows that we're doing Helps speaking speaking of feedback, right thing. on Patreon, you get our exclusive phone number as well. Yeah. And we would love to have you give us a call, leave us a voicemail, let us know what you think, tell us your story. Tell Jake he's dumb. Anything, yeah. Or that's... vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Chris doesn't admit it, but it happens. Yeah, it's very, 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 very rare. So, Chris, I have two cars in the garage that cannot drive. Okay. Because I'm still waiting on parts for the 911, the carburetor venturis that melted, or right. the atomizers. Yep. They came from Italy, from the one guy that still carries Zenith carburetor parts. Because everybody threw them in the garbage. Not everybody, but everyone that has them refers to this one guy. Because he's the last guy left, because everyone else threw him away. Every so, person I talked to about this went, yep, that Zenith carburetor's for you. So, yeah. Living dangerously here. Yep. So the car parts are from Italy, and some reason now they're stuck in Paris for like the last two weeks. Oh, no. So, so I called you... FedEx, and they're like, yeah, they were supposed to be at your house on Tuesday. I was You're like, like, I, I know. know. <laughs> That's why I'm calling. And they said, well, it's not stuck in customs. They're just waiting for a plane. I was like, you don't have any planes going out of Paris? That's a pretty big city. What's going on? You might as well just put them on a Apparently, boat. Apparently, there's a backlog. So like they have to put... Well, a lot of times what they do is if you don't have a lot of luggage in some cars or some uh, planes, they'll actually put FedEx packages or DHL on passenger airplanes. Wouldn't it be great if it went the other way, too? Like, you could just hop a ride on a FedEx plane? Yeah, and end up like, uh, (laughs) oh, I think it was Tom Hanks. Oh, Castaway? Castaway, you could end up on a with uh, your leader of volleyball on an island. Yeah, just, Wilson. Yeah, you and Wilson run your <laughs> FedEx crashing airplane. That's just what everybody needs. So the second car I have in my garage that doesn't work, well, it, it works, but it's not drivable right now, is the C10 project of my dad and I. You drove so it over to the house. I drove it over to Hudson. I limped it over from Hudson to... What do you mean limped it over? Well, I mean, it, I hadn't really been driven in two years, this thing. So okay. I didn't know how well it was going to do. Right. Like, we've gone around the block in it, and it's like, yeah, it drives. Right. But, like, I have to go on the freeway at least to get over the river. 
So this is our first like big outing with a thing. Did and he I, go with I you? I got it. He did not. Okay. Nikki drove behind me in case something, something fell off. Happened, <laughs> right? Block of parts fall off. Exactly. So it actually drove fine. I got it up to seventy five on the freeway, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. And that's nearing the top speed of my truck. Yes, it is. So. My dad, it works out sharing this project because we like to work on different things. So he basically got all the body dialed in. He went through the interior. He basically got rid of all the rusty panels, keeping the patina still. Right. But he put on like new front fenders. He welded in new floors. And the first thing I did when I got it home was sand down his new paint to match the rest of the patina. Yeah, nice. <laughs> did it work? Does yeah, it, work? it looks actually very good. Okay, okay. Um, and so he did all new interior, cleaned everything out, all the mouse poop. And new planks in the bed. I hear there's were, still some poop here and there, though. Well, that's different poop. So <laughs> the mouse poop in the interior is gone, right? So we also did new uh, bed planks because this pickup still had a wood bed floor, yep. which is kind of cool. So that's all dialed in, and we lowered the rear. That's the original Rhino liner. There you go. Basically, because you didn't want... I mean, you could replace the wood, exactly. but if you destroy the metal bed it's of your not, truck in it, 1960... Four. 1964, you're just kind of out of luck. Yeah. They didn't have like spray on bed liner back exactly. then. So they put the wood in there. So had all the parts ordered and sitting there to do the front end. Because what I did is we lowered We're talking the about rear, the suspension. Right? So, well, I also have a disc brake conversion for it. Brand new disc brake Yeah, parts. I saw that. It looked nice. Brand new um Were the brakes awful spindles. or something? No, but they're drums. But are they awful? No, they're great. So why do you just because, because they don't make drop spindles for drum brakes? Okay, like everyone just that's going to lower the truck that way just upgrades. You to just discs. do it. Okay, yep. so upgrading and it's probably brakes, four dollars. Mm, it's a little bit more, okay. but yes, everything has got to be pretty it's cheap. It's really cheap working on this versus the nine eleven. Yeah, yeah, I bet for sure. So tearing apart the front suspension to lower it, and everything is just caked in what I have to assume is cow manure. And we're talking like inches thick. Like, is it just mud with like grass in it or what? It's like I know there's a bolt here somewhere, but I have to chisel it away with a screwdriver and a hammer just to get to the bolt head and then clean the bolt head off to get the socket on. Is it grassy mud? It's that, like, yeah, it's mud. Yeah. It's definitely mud that like falls apart. Yeah. And I'm just thinking in my head, like, this is an old farm truck. You know it's going through some muddy manure-filled field. Yeah. And it never saw a car wash, but so it's, it's been, just been caked. But it's just been drying for Forty years, plus basically. a little bit of oil dripping on it, so it's like this weird concrete oh, consistency, no. <laughs> but it's still oily. Yeah, great. Oh, so I'm like, is this worse than rust? What's worse, rust or like just cemented? I on I would rather have manure cemented on and preserving my. It metal. actually did preserve it yeah, though. Yeah, because most of it was not seized on or anything like that. So there's that your good. new business plan. <laughs> just spray manure on the bottom of vehicles. That's yeah, the rust proofing. Yeah. Rusty yeah, Jones, no. the manure treatment. So also have parts in order. So heater core is coming because that what you do on all these old C10s, the heater core is in the engine compartment. Okay. It's under the hood and it's literally a box that's like just four screws. You can take the whole heater core off. And there's just a blower motor that blows into the cab. So it's really easy to get to. But most guys, they leak because they're brass. And so they just take the two hoses going to it and plug them together. Yeah, because you don't need the whole heat. Thing. Well, but I want to drive this in, in the fall when it's like fall. 50, 45 exactly. degrees. It'd be great sure. to bomb around in. Yep. So I ordered a new heater core for like $30. Is it like a plastic in tanks type of thing or is it brass again? <laughs> yeah, no, it's all aluminum and brass. Okay, so, so it's, it's nice. Still. It's very nice. Cool. Uh, you can't get the other one brazed? Did it leak I didn't or did even, you try? I, don't, I didn't even try. Well, dude, you could have kept the nice brass. 30 bucks? I guess. Why not? I suppose. I just like... Why mess around? Because it's nice to not have to have something this one, new The one I ordered might actually be all brass still. 
Okay. Well, I'm more concerned about. I'll just give make, you this one. I'll make, give you this. I don't want it. I'm not going to use it for anything. But always try to keep the stuff that's there <laughs> versus just I'll give replacing you the old it. Disc brakes. This too. coming from the guy that says, "What's the most uh, ecological friendly car you can buy? The one, <laughs> the one you, you already own. have. What's the most ecologically friendly heater core you can buy? The one the that you one already that have. doesn't leak you, harmful contaminants into the environment, Chris. <laughs> you didn't know. You don't even know. You didn't I test don't know. it or anything. No, I have no idea. Okay. But why would you loop like bypass it? it oh, it was, it was bypass. It's bypass. Oh well, that's all you had to say. Okay, it's bypass. Okay, cool. So, brake booster, master cylinder, the proportion valve, the wheel spacers. Was it power brakes? Uh, no, no, that's so just... So you've upgraded the... Uh, yeah, it's okay. going to be also, yeah, power brake booster. Okay, did you need a different sized master cylinder to yes, help with the piston? Yes, that's what's still on order. Okay. So that's why it's still up in the air waiting to basically... Right, because if you take together. if you look at like a, a drum, you've got a little wheel cylinder in there, right, and that pushes outwards. Like if you are moving your elbows out to your side to get people away from you on the subway, <laughs> right, that's what you're doing but when you with brake pads, but with well brake shoes, right. Shoes, so you've got yes. shoes that push on the drums, and you don't need a lot of fluid to move those, right. There's not; they're very small. They're they're basically like a, and you have your little star adjustment wheel when it does take too much force, right. You got they're about the size of a pack of lifesavers, yes, maybe not even that long. But when you have a, a a disc brake and you've got a piston in there takes a lot more fluid and a lot more yes, but pressure it's, it's, to run that. Well, it all comes down to mechanical advantage. Yes, it takes more fluid, but there's a lot more force you're putting on it. Correct. But my point is, is that's why you need a different master yes, cylinder. You, do. you need to be able to flow a little bit more fluid with the amount of work that you're doing with your foot. Otherwise they, I remember putting uh, like 10 inch, 10.1 inch brakes on rabbits and you would always need to upgrade to the 22 millimeter master cylinder of like a Passat <laughs> or something. Otherwise, your brakes would suck, even though you were putting bigger brakes. You know what's on interesting too is most, well, not most, all modern master cylinder brake master cylinders are dual master cylinder, and that yep. means you basically have two separate pistons that are pushing two separate and lines it's usually out. A, it's so you have your front and your back. Well, no, that's not true. You usually have your front left and your rear right. That way, if one fails, oh, you can still break. Right. So they run them in like a yeah. X pattern or this whatever. This has one line coming out, baby, <laughs> and T's four ways. Yeah, it works. Are you, can you get like a proportioning valve or something? That's so what can, I'm getting. Oh, okay, so that'll that'll allow you to dial it in your race exactly. track in a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. What else do I have going on? I don't know. That's about it. Oh, I know. This thing also doesn't have seatbelts, which I was like, okay, is that illegal? Because it's a really old truck. Like, I don't know yeah. if it came with seatbelts, but the seat had been replaced because that was where all the, you, the mice lived. It was 64, right? Yeah. Can you imagine driving that truck covered in manure into town and parking it next to some guy's 64 911? I'm just thinking of the two cars existing at the same time in the same place. Yeah. They're such This different. was like outside of Fargo, so I doubt it. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> so I had to look into this, Chris. Seatbelt laws in the state of Minnesota specifically. There are exceptions for when you do not need to be wearing your seatbelt. Okay. Would you like to hear some of the more interesting ones? Yes. A person driving a passenger vehicle in reverse. Period. That's it. That's an exception. You can be on the freeway, Chris, driving in reverse without your seatbelt on. You're good to go. Yeah, you're going to get that reckless driving ticket, but, but hey, the, the seatbelt seat ticket. Belt, no, no, no. Subdivision 2, seatbelt uh, exceptions, point one, officer. I'm driving in reverse. Um, also, this is interesting. A person, Excuse me, sir. Why are you driving in reverse? Because I can. <laughs> <laughs> and what uh, I guess is pertinent to what my interest was is a person driving or riding in a passenger vehicle manufactured before January 1st, 1965. So legally, I do not need seatbelts in this truck. 
there's other things here. I know. So there's interesting stuff. A person riding a vehicle in which all the seating positions equipped with safety belts are occupied by other persons. So does that mean you can just <laughs> so put if you have a five person people in there? It's like a clown car. Fine? So you buckle the first five clowns in, and the rest of them the just rest, pile yeah, in with no seatbelts. I, I thought that would be illegal having more car people in a vehicle than. There are seatbelts. You would think so. But I guess not. No, just pile them in, shove them in there. Uh, You can have some sort of written certificate from a physician because you can't have a seatbelt. Because your boobs hurt or something? Sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll try to get that. Uh, A person who's actually... I I feel uncomfortable if I don't have a seatbelt. Yeah, I do too. Like driving on the freeway over the state border without a seatbelt on in this old truck with a steering wheel that's like 30 inches wide and has like five degrees of play each way. It's like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) So I am going to get some lap belts in it. But this was just for my own curiosity. Um, What other interesting ones? Mail carriers are not... supposed to have a seatbelt or are not required to. And It'll make person, it way too hard for them to deliver your Amazon packages exactly. if they had to keep hopping out and unbuckling a seatbelt. A person driving or riding in a pickup truck while engaged in normal farming work or activity, Chris. Normal farming work. Okay, so what can you say is normal farming work? That's that what doing? I'm wondering here. <laughs> if you're going on the freeway, but you have a combine in the back, like... I think I'm that farming. you have... I think that the... My guess is that the registration of the vehicle, which is the truck must be registered to a person who is on a commercial farm. That what is about gonna, a private farm? Same thing. I'm just well, saying then how are you gonna prove a for-profit farm. It has to be a farm. It's zoned as farm. Okay, so if I'm going down the road right now, how can what, what happens if I'm like, yeah, I'm on a farm. I'm a farm. But you're not. Farming. You, you don't, you're not. You don't live or operate or work anywhere that's zoned as a farm. So are they going to cross-reference my home address with all known like farming entities? I don't think it's that hard. I don't think they're going to do that. It's it, The onus would be on you to prove that you did work on a farm. They would give you the ticket for, hey, you don't have a seatbelt on. You would then have to go to the court and be like, hey, I was, I was farm. farming. I was, I was farming. actively farming. And the judge would go prove it, and you'd go, uh. I had this corn for <laughs> shucking. <laughs> yeah, I visited the little uh, the little booth at the end of the street that had all the corn in it that I bought for to take home to cook. I remember girl. in high school that they always had the good looking girls. Were gonna they did. That's the smart way. If you're the farmer and you're oh, trying to yeah. sell corn, you just put you your daughter the out there gals. in the overalls and the white t-shirt and everything. Let's yeah. just say I bought a lot of corn in high school. <laughs> <laughs> all right, before we get to what's going on with you, Chris, let's talk about our sponsor, Oberk Car Care. They are a Midwest manufacturer of polishing compounds and supplies that are researched, tested, and developed by professional detailers themselves. All their products are designed to decimate swirls, holograms, any of that gross oxidation on your vehicle's paint. I'm not going to be using this on the truck, Chris, because that's patina. That's different. I did uh, I did use the Oberk stuff on the hood of my blue truck, my grandpa's truck. And? Shined up nice. That really? single stage chalkiness went away. So now it's like the spots of rust with like gloss paint. It actually looks pretty cool. They make, not Oberk, but they do make like rust wax. I don't. It's like the rat rod crew, like wax your rust. I don't know. What what is it? WD-40? I don't understand. (laughs) I don't know either. Oberk, however, this is the real deal. They're offering a 20% off any order online with the code Overcrest. The discount code is good not only on OberkCarCare.com, but also on CarSuppliesWarehouse.com and even on DetailedImage.com, all of the high-end places where you can get your detailing supplies. So check them out, OberkCarCare.com. So my car's home. It is. Which is which is great. It was a little bit of a cluster trying to get it home. I went over to the body shop. Well, first of all, I called the body shop on I started kind of being a little bit more 
Uh, hey, a little more hey intensive. Guys, like, what's come going on? on? Come on, how are we doing today? What What's the plan? What are we getting done? So it was, so it got done a little bit faster. Probably not because of me being annoying, but no. just because it was it was there anyway. But it made me feel psychologically better. When you paid your bill, were there a couple line items for like interruption one, interruption two? <laughs> it's not like a lawyer where they charge you by the minute on the phone. <laughs> um, anyway, so I go over there. Car's done. I call them. Hey, yeah, it's done. Great. They didn't call me to tell me it was done. I just called and found out it was done, which is right. like, when was it done? Was it done yesterday? So it was done. I went down there. Looks great. It was I mean, still just, behind the car that was getting buffed by the buffing kid. So I doubt it was. They like, were both being polished at the there. same time. They were both being polished at the same time. It was just coming out of detail yeah. when I got there. So it's not it like was it, just they had done. been sitting on it. And uh, it looked like it was going to take off because the front suspension was <laughs> really high. It's like, well, you didn't have any gas tank in it. Well, that doesn't weigh that much. Depends I mean, how full it is. A twenty gallon, a gallon of gas is uh, eight pounds, right around there. So if I have a twenty gallon gas tank, it's a little bit more than that. It's one hundred and sixty pounds. It's really, that's not going to take up nine inches of wheel gap. I'll tell you that right Depends now. Depends what your spring rate is. <laughs> uh, well, it still isn't. So I, uh, it, it, they left it that way so we go on the tow truck easier. Oh, because you tear the bumper up on it the way that I have it. That's kind of smart. Yeah. So they ra- they left it raised up because they took the they took the suspension off and everything and had it mounted on a jig to do a little bit I of straightening, suppose, if yeah. you recall correctly. So all that stuff is bolted back up now. Yep. It's way up in the air. Um, the tow truck guy is never showed up. Is your daughter's drawing still on the inner wheel well? I don't know. You I'd have to look. look. You better look. I, I think I sprayed a little bit of clear over right, it. Right. That's why see. I'm curious. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would imagine that it is still there. But uh, the tow trucks never came up, never, never showed up. I called tr- to sign so, back up for AAA like three days earlier than that. Oh, gosh. My AAA had expired. I'm like, oh, shit. My AAA is expired. Is AAA the proper usage to transfer your car from the body shop to your house? I don't know. Technically, <laughs> no. <laughs> Technically, no. But, I mean, it falls within the parameters of the car doesn't run. I need to have it towed. Yeah, no, so I, got, I guess. Falls. So, technically, no. But I, I use it for I'm that surprised idea. the body shop didn't have, like, They their... did. They offered. But it was $100 for oh. their guy, which is still half as much. When I had it towed down there in an enclosed trailer, it was $400. $376 to tow it down from my house, which is, you know, 55 minutes away. It's a long tow. Yeah. Uh, enclosed trailer because I had like parts and stuff to take down I didn't there. Realize you did that. And I had no fenders and I had it's just the hood latch wasn't there. It's just I didn't want it on an open trailer. Right. So I said enclosed trailer. So it was $375. It was like a ton of money. So I don't want to pay for towing on the way home. So I signed up for AAA again. <laughs> and uh, they said we'll be there at 615. And then 615 rolled into 630, which then rolled into 645, which then rolled into 7, which is the time that the body shop closed. Yep. So I actually didn't get it that night. I so said, were hey. you sitting at the body shop for that whole time? I told them I was to make them feel bad. But in fact, I was at home. So it was not, <laughs> not that big of a deal. It was just they were waiting for a flatbed. And I said, well, if you knew the flatbed wasn't going to be available, why don't you just call another tow company? They're like, right. yeah, I don't know. I guess that sounds like that's something we should have done, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, car's home. Really, really happy. I, I remember watching it roll up the, you know, I could hear the tow truck kind of rumbling in the distance, and I my, my heart would start to beat a little bit faster. I'm like, oh, my God, this is finally happening. And I'm having this, these weird anxiety. Like, now that I'm working on the car again, I'm, it's, it's gone. Like, the anxiety right. that I had is gone. But, but it was like completion anxiety. A little bit, knowing that when it got here, I had all this work to do. And then, guess what? I had to prove... I have to prove the proof of concept of all the work that I'd done, <laughs> that it wasn't just going to like fall apart and drive flat on its nose at some point. So or the I mean, carbs start on fire or the carbs start on fire, which hopefully won't happen to happen to mine. So anyway, I got home and I started taking the gas tank stuff apart or out of the box, put it in and it's all crumbling apart in my hands. Like the, 
you know, the little thing that if you spill the gas, it goes into this little yeah, tube and little... all that stuff is all disintegrated. The, the, the tube that connects the gas tank to the filler neck is super crappy. Like everything is just like falling apart in my hands. The hardware that holds the gas tank in, not nice. I'm like, you know what? I bought all new everything. So it was yeah. like 200 bucks. I bought all new, every single thing that you could possibly buy. And because it was like a few days out or whatever, I started to work on the engine. So I'm like, okay, this is <laughs> this is where the fun is, right? The engine that's perfectly fine, recently rebuilt. Uh, I wouldn't call it recently at this point. What you have sixty on it? I uh, probably fifty, sixty thousand okay. miles. No, I, not recently, I guess. But. Yeah, it's it's far from recent, but uh, I did confirm that everything looks nice because we did take everything apart. Anyway, so I'm like, well, I can't do the gas tank. I'll start doing the fun part, which is pulling all the CIS stuff apart. All and putting the carburetors on. And putting the carburetors on. It all went beautifully. Everything was great. The the uh, the fuel system came off. I mean, it was... CS is kind of a pain, but I just took the... It's a lot of hoses. It's a lot of hoses and stuff, but I disconnected the hoses and the fuel lines and the wiring, mm-hmm. and then I just took the 12 nuts off of the intake manifolds, sure. dropped the motor down, did a partial oh, did. drop, okay. dropped the motor down about eight inches, and then I just yanked the whole fuel assembly, everything off. Okay. I didn't realize you dropped the engine a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I went down about eight, probably eight or nine, maybe even 10 inches. Just Did whoop. you pull just the rear mounts or the trans mounts as well? Just the rear mounts. Okay. And then you just and tilt you it down. Like, flex. Yeah, you do. And so then I grabbed the whole assembly and pulled it all out at once. And that was, <laughs> and then of course, the first thing I did is put little, uh, rags, rags inside. That. I, just, the, I, yep. I do not need that happening in my life. I've dropped too many things in places that they shouldn't have been to, <laughs> to deal with any of that. Um, I took the, uh, the shroud, the engine shroud, yeah. fan shroud off. It's red, which is... So don't the different colors of engine shrouds meet something? Like, uh, weren't the red ones always the S engines or... Uh, that's CIS. Like, an SC would be red. Okay. Um, I think, uh, like, an MFI engine is green, I think. Yeah. And then you have black, which I think... Um, I think the newer cars, the Carreras, I think, are black. Mine is black, but... Who yeah, knows yeah. You got, and then you've got yellow as well. Um, I don't, I, th- I don't know what yellow goes on. I'm not sure. There's all kinds of different ones. I know green is also in the, like the mid-year cars have green, okay. like the 2.7s with CIS have green. And I didn't want red, green, orange, which is basically what it was, was orange. Yeah. I try. it's gel coat. It's fiberglass. Right. So I actually got, so I it's had like a bass boat. Yeah. So I had a bunch <laughs> of marine polishing compound Yep. and I'm like, oh, I'm going to try and polish this up a little bit. Sure. Cause it was, I mean, it's hammered yeah it's well it's sitting just in the, dust and heat and and heat and heat and yes. 200 plus degrees for 40 years or whatever more than 200 it turns out yeah more than yeah much more and so then i, I tried polishing up didn't work so yeah. then i used surface prep i stripped it all down okay went to the store i bought um vht epoxy spray paint which is good to up to 250 degrees okay. which i mean it's like kind of like the best spray paint for that application that you can get so I'm hoping it'll stand up to the temperatures of the engine. I'm not entirely sure that it will. Uh, if it doesn't, I'll either buy a new one and just get a black one. You know, right. buy a black one or buy one of those fancy fiberglass ones. And then Where you have can somebody... like still see through. Just leave a raw fiberglass. Can you see through the fiberglass? No, that's only because cool. paint weighs too much, Chris. Well, that's what they would do on the old RSRs. And I know, stuff, but they look cool now because they're yellowed over time. Yeah. When you buy them now, they're like white. That's fine. 
No, it looks Just terrible. keep your old like uh, thermostat in there. It'll heat up quick. Oh, well, yeah. That's another thing I found out is um, I took the... You know, my cars always run hot. Right. It's always run hot. And always you suspected the thermostat, but you can't get to that in these engines with the CIS there. No. Because you it's can in do, the way back. Even if you do a partial drop, you're just... There's no way for you to really reach back there. And you can do it, but it's a serious pain. Yep. Plus, there's like dirt and oil and stuff back that there. you're going to get in there. You don't want to pull that out and then drop that shit into the motor. It's just not a good idea. Right. So I... Uh, to test the thermostat, just like any other thermostat, what do you do? You put it in boiling water. You throw it in while well, water boils at what? Huh. 210. Okay. So I threw the thing in the water, watched it, had my little infrared thing. It's supposed to open at like 180, 190. So before it boils, you're supposed to have it open. It didn't uh, open till well after boiling. Hmm. So around 215 degrees is when the thermostat opens up. And that pretty much to me is a solid explanation as to why my car has always run hot. And here's another thing, is when it went to close, yeah. it didn't close again. Oh, very really? well. It was like sticky, stuck. So the thing yeah. is sticking shut, sticking open. I don't think it ever stuck open. Yeah, it was I really wish it would have. stuck shut. Um, and I was always wondering if I'm like, can I just get rid of this thing and just eliminate it completely? But I, apparently you can't because you don't want to run, with the, with the weight of oil we're running, you don't want to run that much oil pressure to the, the front oil cooler. Oh, sure. So you want it to warm up and have, because I have two thermostats. I have an external thermostat, which runs the front oil cooler, and then I gotcha. have another thermostat that runs on the engine itself. So for all I know, the thing has just been closed until 220 degrees. At that point, it's in thermal runaway anyway. It's, I mean, it's, it's just, it's not able to, anytime I'm up at those temperatures, I'm probably beating on the car and yeah. generating a lot of heat. Right. So theoretically, I've got a, I put a Carrera oil cooler on the front now with a fan. That's right. With a thermostat up there to turn the fan on and off, and I a factory cooler too. I'm like, I'm done. I'm so sick of this thing. So I paid like a thousand dollars for this Ugh. stupid oil cooler. And all you needed was a new thermostat. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm kind of like, well, shit. This, I feel like a little bit of a dunce, but I could never get you to it. You are. No, you are a dunce when it comes to these purchases because also we just found out what today yesterday oh man your so, intake manifolds so when I, I bought these carburetors used and i've i everybody's you know i've been doing carburetor stuff for a long time and people have asked my advice should i get these they show and say, oh it's a good deal i'm like dude do not buy always just buy new man do not buy used carburetors because they are a nightmare you don't know what jets are in them you don't know if they were maintained you don't know what kind of fuel was in them you don't know anything about them it's best to just buy new ones yep. and be done with it so that's exactly what you did and it's exactly what i did not do <laughs> one of my one, uh, acquaintance of mine was selling a set of carburetors PMOs. I'm like, yep. oh, sweet. I could maybe get a deal on these because they're like $5,000. You know, I paid like 3500 bucks for them or whatever. Yeah. And I think they're like $4,500. <laughs> $5, so I'm like, I'm saving a little bit of money. I mean, it's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of money. $1,000. That's yes. a lot of money to yes. save. So I'm like, you know, I'll try and save this little bit of money and, and, and make myself feel better. Sure. For a purchase you didn't need. Okay. So here's the deal. I had to buy all new Jets. Right. I, I had to buy all new Venturis. Yep. And I had to buy a rebuild kit. Yep. $400. Yeah. And I now I have to buy uh, new manifolds to the <laughs> tune of $400. I have to buy a spacer kit for so I don't run into the same problem you did. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? The phenolic spacer. Phenolic spacer. Which I do have on mine. Yes. Well, did you before? Yes. Uh, well, you're. we've already beaten that story. You're burned up car to the ground. I hopefully, I don't have to deal with that. Uh -huh. You know, uh, I don't know if PMOs have any provisions for this. I think Weber's are a little bit better than the Zenus. It just doesn't seem to happen. The PMOs are a little bit better than yeah, the Yeah, so maybe I won't somehow. have to deal with it too much. But, I mean, now I'm another, I'm at least, just on the carburetors, $1,000 more 
than just buying them new. I could have just bought them new for the same price. They could have been <laughs> brand new. So here's why I found out the manifolds are wrong. I needed uh, intake manifold gaskets. Sure. Right? Because I, I, the CIS gaskets have a little provision on them for the injector. Sure. So where the injector sits in there. Yep. So it's there's a little like cutout. A, there's maybe. a little cutout. So you don't technically want to run those. You want to run just, I'm guessing you want to run the ones without that cutout. That makes sense. More I, mating surface. So which ones do I need? I'm pretty sure. So I call up Richard at PMO. Okay. said, hey, I need uh, I need intake manifold gaskets. Yeah. He's like, what size do you need? I'm like, I'm pretty sure I have the big port, 78 heads. They're 38 millimeters. He's like, are you sure they're not 40? I'm like, I'm pretty sure. I'm like, just, I'm like, you know what? They're cheap. Just send me both. And I'll just send the other ones back to you, whichever ones don't work. Because I'm trying to get this thing done. Right. Like, I don't want to screw around. Just send me the damn kit. He goes, that's not the way we do things. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right, well, I'll go measure it. So then I spent the next 20 minutes looking in my garage for a caliper. <laughs> Cannot find one. Have to drive to O'Reilly. Are you kidding me? I couldn't find it. I drove to O'Reilly, bought another caliper, brought it home. and I Found could... the old caliper. No, yeah, that's how it would typically go. They didn't have like a, what is that, a vernier caliper? Which, which right. one has the fingers that you can measure bore with? You can stick it in there and then... I don't know, minus bowl vents. Okay, so basically you... you Well, no, probably not. This is something that's got... It's almost like one of those things that you pick up a block of ice with. Oh, you're talking the little prongs that yeah. come out. and then you tighten it down and then you pull yes. it out and then you measure that. Right, I got what That's you what I wanted. Okay. They did not have anything like that. So then right. I had to get this caliper that... I couldn't get it... You know, it measures depth as well, right? It's got the little thing that comes out the bottom when you roll the deal down. Yeah. You can stick it in and measure oh, depth. Oh, yeah. Yes. So... Every time I would try to like, I have the same one. Yeah. Every got. time I would try to open it up to like measure the the little thing that comes out to measure depth would hit the, the frame <laughs> the rail and I was clearance. I couldn't like move it any other way because the engine oh shroud was in the way and I didn't want to take that apart or move it because then I had to take the alternator out and the wiring harness that I just finished. I redid the whole wiring harness on I the saw car that. and I just ah. So I ended up just <laughs> taking like a hacksaw and cutting that depth gauge part off. I just cut it off the cover. <laughs> Like, get rid of this thing, superseded, down the road, get out of here. That thing's gone. Needless to say, 38 millimeters, just like I thought, just like I, I knew I had. Okay. So I call him up, I'm like, hey, I need the 38 millimeter one. So he's sending me those. And uh, I just happened to go, all right, I better measure the intake manifolds too. Right. You go over there, measure the intake manifold, 42 millimeters. 42, not 40, even 40. No, nah, 42 so I mean, the motor that have a lot of air just hitting a wall. Yeah. So it's going to cause a bunch of weird turbulence is my guess. Yep. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, okay, I could just get out a Dremel and just, and just, just your head. pour them out. And I'm yeah, like, you baby. know what? No. Cause then you got to like to these engines. No, nope, not to these motors. If it was something else that I could just go to the junkyard and get another one for a hundred dollars right. that you pull, who gives a shit? You shove Play-Doh in there. And then you just like, <laughs> or modeling clay, and then you pull, you know, you grind away, and then you just pull the modeling clay out, and you, nothing got in there, and you can just I do see. it. Yeah. But this is no, you're not. No, I'm do not it doing that. Way. Plus, it's no, I'm just just not totally not going to do it. So I got new intake manifolds on the way. So I'm Jeez. I'm easily like over the cost of just buying the new ones in the first place, and also I have to do all new fuel fittings because I have CAS and I'm going to this stuff, which so is all So do you have and, a different fuel pump you're going to run? No, I use the, there's a fuel pressure regulator that you run okay. that takes the 100 and something PSI CIS pump and just brings it down to four or five or whatever it is that it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's a PMO have, part. Okay. Because I have like a seven PSI returnless electric fuel pump that I then step down to three and a half PSI. Yeah. So this, I don't have to worry about that. That's, this is the pump or the uh, fuel pressure regulator that's meant to go with these carburetors. Okay. So you the, have the cool gauge. Yeah. It does have the little gauge yeah. on there. I'm going to mount it to the back. And yep. 
Uh, everything's coming together pretty well. The fuel lines have been kind of a nightmare. I ordered from a local company, um, and they said, yeah, we shipped them out. And it was like last Monday, and it's now Thursday, and they weren't here. So then I over... And you're uh, doing all blue and red AN fittings. Yeah, I ordered black. I ordered Fragola fittings. Okay, I don't know what that is. It's good fittings. Okay. I'm like, I do not want fuel leaks. I yeah. want zero fuel leaks. I don't want to worry about it. And I had previously ordered from a local company, and this stuff never showed up. I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I'm just going to order it from Summit. It'll be here in like a like 27 minutes, yep. and I can put these. So I got all nice fuel lines, black braided, black fittings. I bought uh, different angles I think in my head are going to make it <laughs> clean up cleaner. nicer. Yeah, yeah. So it'll come. I was there. I did all that with my little splitter and regulator and yep, black yep. A and fittings. Yep. So I'm looking forward to that. That's kind of where the car's at right and now. And then the <laughs> other nightmare starts. What started? What nightmare? Tuning these carbs. Oh, it's going to be. You are just, oh, you're going to bolt them up. Not even going to have to tweak anything. So We're good to go. I completely, the, the thing I'm going to have to tweak, uh-huh. my guess Idle circuit is going to have to be tuned, and uh, I'm going to have to sync the carburetors. I am 99% sure that's all I'm going to have to do. Mm -hmm. It's a known entity. It's just like when I put, I had a 2-liter 16-valve engine, Mm -hmm. okay? And I said, well, now it's a 2-1 with 288 cams. I am going to go up one step in the main jets and one step in the idle jets. Mm -hmm. And I bolted them on, never changed anything, synced the carbs, drove it. It was awesome. Did the same thing with Jess's car. You're jinxing yourself. You're going to have some weird flat spot where it goes lean and you're not going to be able to diagnose it. No, it's going to be awesome. It's going to just fucking run. It's going to be great. It's going to howl. I'm going to start it up. They're already going to be synced. They're pre-synced. Supposedly. No, they're not pre-synced. It's going to be a nightmare trying to sync the carburetors up. Did you bring me the synchrometer that you have? No, I have to use it once my parts get here from Paris. (laughs) It's more likely that I'll need it before you (laughs) at this point. So, I mean, that's kind of where the car is at. I just got to wait for the manifolds, and then I can put the carburetors on. And and honestly, it looks... I I set them in there just to kind of... You, you don't want to run filters now. I do not want to run I don't those either. ugly, nasty filters. Oh, just, my then, velocity stacks are spun aluminum, like super oh, cherry. I don't want to ruin the look with I'm going to get some tall filters. ones and say, screw it to filters. Don't do it, man. I know. You're going to ruin your don't engine. Don't do it. You know, I even went I down, should show you. The, I went uh, so I'm gonna far. Send you, hold on. I'm going to send you a picture of the inside of my airbox yeah. on the other side, on the, on the atmosphere side of my filter. So you can see just how much crap goes you in would, there. Oh my God. It would, it's terrifying. <laughs> so I was on these forums talking about this. I was like, can I do it? How can I get away with it? And of course you shouldn't do this. But one guy goes, what if I seal up the entire engine compartment really well? And right where the engine deck lid vent is, I mock up an air filter there. So then you don't have to run air filters on the carbs. You're filtering air coming into the engine compartment. I thought that was clever, but you'd never get it to seal. You'd never get it to seal, and you'll never get it to work. I mean, you're gonna have to. How are you you're gonna have to design a plenum to come off the? Well, not only that, then you're filtering all your cooling air, and now you have a weird vacuum going on because you're trying to suck air for cooling. Yeah, the engine. You're gonna through. have to have two separate plenums then. Yep. Yeah, this is not going to work. That's not your ram that. air situation. Is no, not, is, no good. You, I mean, you could cut like the like the the roof cars have a inlet in the. In front of the rear fender, sure. You could maybe cut one of those and have that come in, and then what? Make like a glass box around it that's filtered. No, just have it come in like that, and have tubes that come into your, to your uh, carburetors. Then you can run filters on those. No, well, your whole point is those that you just want to see velocity. You just want to see velocity. Yeah, that's the whole point, Chris. Uh, that's, that's true. That would be phenomenal. All right, we've gone on and on about our projects. We don't have a ton of time for news, but we do want to run our interview with Mike. It's just, it's it's a very inspiring story and. It kind of, my takeaway was you shouldn't take for granted 
being able to drive. Yeah, and 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 the freedom that that, that affords, you. affords you is is something that um, you know not everybody has, and and seeing somebody that didn't have it all of a sudden get it and their emotions surrounding it, and you'll, you'll hear Mike talk about it. We'll leave it to him. Here's our interview with Mike. Hey, Mike, it's Chris and Jake from the Overcrest Podcast. Hello, Chris and Jake. How are you today? Good. How's it going, man? I am doing great. Thank you very much. It's. I saw that you live in, is it Red Deer? Uh, I live uh, just outside of Red Deer. It's a cozy little town uh, near a lake, and uh, I try to just hide and not let anybody find me. <laughs> well, I know one of my buddies lives in Red Deer. He's a, he's a helicopter pilot. He ends up going out to uh, the West Coast above... I guess it would be uh, Victoria and British Columbia and everything, and he flies a helicopter around in the mountains there, but he's actually from Red Deer. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, so that's, it's about 30 minutes just to the east of me. Right on. Cool, cool. So um, we wanted to ask you just a few questions about your, your experience, which I find um, incredibly I- inspiring. I, it just it really moved me when I read about it. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, I appreciate that. I am happy to share my story. Yeah, and the story has definitely been making the rounds because it is just such a cool story. So to start from the beginning, up until recently, you were legally blind. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Well, it was a birth defect, uh, genetic, intended to run in my family until I had a cousin with it and an older brother as well, who unfortunately both of those have passed away, <clears throat> just unrelated, but... But yeah, there's a genetic history there, and um, yeah, it was so severe when I was young. Uh, the baby, my mom tried to get glasses fitted for me, and they were really just strapped to my head. They had no idea what they were doing at 11 months old. They, they gave it their best, but I, I really couldn't see much. Things like the family dog, you know, scared me because I didn't know it was there, and it would just start barking. Insects, you know, fly or a mosquito would buzz by, and I had no idea what was going on. So what exactly is going on that's, that's causing, that was causing your blindness? So it's uh, it's called nystagmus. Uh, when you're born with it, they put the word congenital in front of it. Uh, on occasion, it's an acquired nystagmus, where if you've had a head injury or a brain trauma, uh, it can be acquired, but it's uh, more rare. And so the, the, the actual condition itself is the result of uh, like rapid eye movement, similar to what people go through at the one stage in their sleep, where their eyes are constantly moving. And so when the eyes are constantly moving, it's a similar effect to your camera lens. If you're trying to take a picture and your phone is moving, your camera is moving, or the object is moving. It's the same kind of effect where it's really just a, a, a blur, a smudge, and you don't have a, a clear picture of what's going on around you. Wow. And so just recently, you underwent a surgery to correct this. I did. I pretty much gave up all hope on the ability to drive. I mean, I had a very negative outlook on life from when I was quite young. I couldn't see the chalkboard. Um, I couldn't see the menu board at McDonald's. <clears throat> you know, uh, really, I couldn't even see my own eyes in the mirror. So it was it was quite difficult to get by. But I, I always functioned. I, I learned to adapt, and uh, I hit it quite well. So I, uh, I, I did gain employment, and uh, I just kept working hard. I, I felt as though... If I had to compete in a fully sighted world, I would need to be a little better than everybody else. So I always dug deep and, and really tried quite hard on everything I did. Um, it was uh, only at the age of 42 when I had the opportunity to, to go into a trial surgery, surgery or surgical procedure. And uh, it's a new, newer approach that was developed from uh, Dr. Lingua out of 
Irvine, California. So that was two years ago, October 2018. And what do they do in the surgery? How do they correct it? Well, the idea was always that there was nothing that could be done for this condition because it's basically the brain sending a signal to your eye muscles. And so there's not a lot of brain surgery that they can do that, you know, that's successful. So they weren't even going to attempt anything like this. But uh, the surgeon thought that maybe there's a different way. And he basically goes in and uh, shortens or eliminates the offending muscles and therefore reducing the amount of pull that's happening onto the eye, <clears throat> effectively steadying it and tricking the brain. So the brain's still sending a signal. However, the offending muscles are removed, or, or at minimum, they're shortened, and the remaining muscles will take over and still allow you to use your eyes the way they're intended. So did this, obviously, we're a car, car, car podcast. I want to get to the car stuff too, but in my head, I'm thinking that having this corrected and being able to see, if you say you have trouble seeing your own eyes in the mirror, when you're looking at talking at other people, it must be difficult to focus on people and have have relationships and, and stuff like that too, I imagine. Oh, 100% correct. Yeah, in fact, I've really just kind of distanced myself from a lot of people. A big part of it was because I couldn't travel to see them. Uh, it was always just difficult to maintain friendships or build friendships. So part of the study, which the doctor was conducting, really was focused on three parts. Uh, your overall eye movement. So do you get a cosmetic effect out of the fact that they're not moving as badly? So that's one thing. Two, what is your vision before and after? So did you actually gain anything? That's what they're interested to know. But three is the uh, overall lifestyle, uh, wellness aspect of it, just what you touched on. So, so how do you feel now? Do you feel better? Are you able to build and maintain relationships or, or gain you know, employment and uh, function in your daily life? So, so that was an important point of his study as well. So how do you feel? Oh, it's 100% different. I mean, it's night and day. The, the, my specific results were like um, the way he calculated the, the quality of life, uh, how you feel. I ended up with like a 500% increase in my quality of life. It was something astronomical like that. It's, it's just, it's even hard to explain and describe. I mean, I, <laughs> my kids are just like excited to go do something with me now. I can take them out anytime I want. I, I run errands for my wife or just for myself. You know, I had to, but believe it or not, I've never gone to the dentist by myself until this week. I literally drove to my own dentist appointment by myself for the first time. And it's just an incredible feeling. Just freedom. It's, yes. It's got to be just immutable freedom. So yes. what was the first thing you did, Mike, after coming out of the surgery? And you can see, and it has to be life-changing. What, what were some of the first things you did? Well, the first day was pain and uh, bandages. and I, I mean, I was really just recovering. It was, it was quite traumatic on the eyes. Uh, but as they started to open up and I could use them, it was, it was actually quite quick that I noticed the differences. I, I was at the hotel. I was there for a week or 10 days for monitoring. It was outpatient. So I wasn't at a hospital, but uh, recovering at a hotel in California, so it's rough. <laughs> but sitting by the pool, I'm looking around the hotel, and there's a air conditioning vent slot on the side of the wall across the foyer or the, the pool area. And I'm, I'm just sitting there looking at it, and I can count the vents. This was one of the first things I noticed. And, I mean, it was, you know, half a kilometer away. 
and I, I could, but you know, a big vent and it had these slots and I'm just starting to realize that I can see that. And I can, I just start counting them one, two, three, you know, and I, everything I start looking around. I'm like, wow, I can see that. I can see that. And my wife just keeps saying, you're kidding. Really? And I mean, she knew how bad it was and, uh, and, and how much I couldn't see. So for me to be able to call out things that I was seeing now, it was just blowing her mind. Well, I imagine that your wife comes out before the surgery. She comes out, she's wearing a dress. She's like, do I look fat in this dress? And you, and you can actually just say, no, you have no idea. It's just, you look great. I don't know. Now is it like, you have to be honest. Oh, I don't like that dress on you. I mean, you run into a little bit of honesty problems because now you can actually see the dress. That's right. I got to be careful. With this. <laughs> so the part of the story that, of course, we love as car guys is after your site is restored, you go out and you buy a bright yellow Chevy Corvette. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had no idea what I was going to do at first. Again, with the with the study, they wanted to know those those key three things, right? So the possibility of visual improvement was there, but I wasn't counting on it. I'd, I had lived my whole life with this uh, the idea that I would never have it. So I just I just went in with the, the hopes that they would steady my eyes a little bit. If I could make them a little better, that'd be great. And I didn't count on it. Well, it started to get better and better and better. So then I had to really start thinking about this is serious. This is real. I think I think I can challenge my driver's test. So that's what I did. I went out. Um, I took the the written portion of it. So where we live, it's uh, the the average fourteen year old can go get this learner's license. We call it, and you get. Uh, one year, if you're over the age of 16, you have to keep it for one year. But if you're under 16, you'd have to keep it for two years. And it meant that you had a lot of limitations, specifically driving after midnight and um, driving with a supervisor. But I did the written test. I nailed it. And they, she notices quickly. She says, oh, you're wearing glasses. I got to do a visual. And I was like, oh, I was hoping they wouldn't do that. <laughs> So she brings me over to the other side of the room, puts on a special pair of goggles and says, start reading those lines. And I just started reading them and I got so far and she said, oh, anything else? I said, no, I said, I'm still healing. I just went through this eye surgery. I didn't get into details with her. And she said, well, no, that's fine. We just prefer you go a little, little further. And, and she said, here you go. <laughs> Stamps the paper and sends me on my way. Wow. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I finally was there. And, and I wasn't even done healing yet. That was in April of 2019. So there's still a lot of development going on. And uh, I was just so excited. So it meant now I could drive as long as I had a approved supervisor with me. And I started driving the wife's truck around. It's a Yukon, uh, you know, big full-size pickup. And um, just just loving it and, and getting, you know, knowing now that I can see the signs. I could, of course, I couldn't see a sign before. I mean, literally, I didn't even know where I was in a given neighborhood or, or area because I, I couldn't read the signs. I had to memorize, uh, you know, like a location or a, an object or things like that. And you start to pay attention to other cues, but never a sign. So I'm loving driving. And then I started to think, well, now I... I get to pick something, you know, I can't take my life. So I, uh, I just started looking around and, uh, I wish, I wish it was an intended, uh, pun for, you know, sight unseen, but I, I just shopped on the internet and I found, I found the, the Corvette on a, on a site. And I mean, it just grabbed me so, so hard. Uh, I, I thought it might be a little juvenile because <laughs> it looked so, so sporty and so young and uh, kind of. Well, reckless. to be fair, your experience is young. 
That's true. I mean, yeah. you are you are your eyesight has brought uh, brought this youth in contrast that uh, nobody else really gets to experience. Yeah, exactly. So that that's how it started. I just I found that one on a website and I uh, loved it. And I had to get a second opinion from my brother-in-law, Randy. I said, is that shoe out there? And he said, oh, it's a lightning rod for attention. They would get good attention and they would get bad attention from the cops. So he warned me. And um, I, I just, I had to have it. So I didn't even see it uh, myself. I sent my brother down to have a look. And uh, he, I put a deposit on it. And, and then he was able to take it for a test drive. No concerns. It was almost brand new. It was not brand new. It was a 2017. I bought in 2019 August. Uh, it had 2,200 kilometers on it. So just about new. So were you always into cars as you were growing up, or did this just become like this representation of your newfound freedom? I, I wasn't always into cars. When I was under 18, I was more interested in them at that time, young, it was young boys. They were starting to look at them, get them. My brother uh, got a, an older Thunderbird that he spent uh, a couple of years fixing it up, got it roadworthy and, and enjoyed it. And I had a, you know, I had a interest in it when I was young. But um, when my dream got squashed, you know, by the time I turned 18, they said, that's pretty much it. Your eyes have changed. The most they're going to change. Uh, it, you don't, you didn't get far enough. You're not, you're not going to get a license. It's not possible. So I gave it up. No real interest after that. I did enjoy doing some four by fouring on an ATV for the last number of years, just because that was all I could do was go off roading in the mountains when nobody's around. I think it's this. I think it's a a great story because when I think of the car, I always talk to people and say, "Though, hey, it's this, you know, this 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 freedom. Like nothing in there's no way to transport yourself with more freedom than a car because you can get in the car and you can go wherever you want." And we, we've all like, we've we been take driving. It for granted. We do. We take it for granted because we've been driving around since we were 16 years old, whatever. And it's, and it's been no big deal. Obviously it's a privilege and we understand that, but I think you have this unique perspective of being at a later age in your life at, at 44 being, being, you were imprisoned a little bit by um, the disability that you had, but you also now have been freed of it and have chosen the ultimate tool to express freedom, the automobile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, once you get a taste of it too, it's it's hard to imagine what it was like before. I, I can see what you guys are going through because you've always had it. Well, yeah, it's definitely a, a a privilege. It's it's not a right. And so some people take take it for granted. I you know I'm quite careful when I'm out. A lot of people just assume that I got it because I want to go tearing around. And I mean, it's pretty easy to do that, but that's not why I got it. I just loved the look. I thought it was a real special treat, you know, having my lived my whole life the way I had, and I was able to to really enjoy this. But, but there's some people out on the roads that are are pretty wild, and uh, it, it does spook me just because it's it's deadly out there. You got to be careful. For sure. Well, I I really appreciate you letting us talk to you about your incredibly inspiring story, and I wish you the best of luck. Hey, thank you guys very much. Yeah, appreciate you take care of yourself. You too. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. That is an incredible story. I'm so I'm trying to think of uh anything that could happen to me, right? That would Im- improve the quality of my life 500%. Yeah, there's not much out there. Maybe could. my intake manifolds work. That would, <laughs> would, would improve the quality quality of my life. All right. Awesome story with Mike. It's just 
again, like we said, kind of inspiring and lets you take pause and realize, all right, this is actually a privilege and this is a freedom that I get that some people don't. Yeah, it's it's. I always say that there's no there's no better way to get out and explore the world than than a car or honestly like anything where you can go in any direction you want. Yeah. At a given time, that could be your feet, a bicycle, motorcycle, car. I mean. I guess your feet's probably the best because then you're not even confined to a road. It's just that you're going to take forever to get wherever it is that you want to go. <laughs> yeah, not so I much. mean, Forrest Gump tried it. He got all the way to the Monument Valley yeah. and then quit. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then you did something there later, but we won't go into that, that story. If anybody ever wants to hear a great story <laughs> that I cannot talk about on the podcast, ask me about the Monument Valley story in oh, person. Oh, my goodness. Once again... Thank you to our Patreons. We really appreciate it. We're not going to do any more news today. We're going to save it for next time. we uh, just keeping things pithy here. So sorry if you were hoping for a little bit more news. We'll save what we've got for next week. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. We will see you on Monday. Take care. <laughs>